0: Well, while you're seated, um, why don't you turn to First Corinthians? We're going to be continuing through the love chapter of the Bible. Rick Warren is doing that on the DVDs you're watching in your small groups. And I'm kind of taking a different angle, so there will be kind of a synergy, Lord willing, between your, our weekly small groups as well as Sunday morning. We're in verse 5 of First Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13, verse 5, where the Bible says that love is not easily angered. Love is not easily angered. No focus on love would be complete without a focus on anger, right? And so we're going to do a focus on that this week as well as next week. Anger is the most misunderstood and, by the way, the most misapplied um, emotion of all the emotions that we have as human beings. It's not necessarily a sin. A lot of us think it is, and so we stuff it, and then it comes out in even more destructive ways, right? Right? A lot of people think it's always a sin. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes anger is a very appropriate response. Anger, actually, anger is a capacity that's been given to us by God. We see God's anger all the way through the Bible, but it was perfectly righteous and it achieved good ends. Our problem is it's not always perfectly righteous and it can achieve evil ends too. But it's a capacity given to us by God. God gets angry, and there are times when we ought to get angry. Sometimes it's an evidence, really, of love. If somebody hurt my wife, Julie, you know, or my kids, I would get angry. In fact, if I didn't get angry, it would mean we probably didn't have that good a relationship, or I was just kind of heartless. It would mean I'm apathetic. In fact, the opposite of love is not anger. The opposite of love is apathy. And for that reason, because anger is not expressed enough, it's usually apathy, or at least often it is, we don't grow and we are maybe where we are as a country because of that. There are some times when we should get angry. The problem is not anger. Of course, the problem is whether it's appropriately or inappropriately expressed. Managed anger is a very good thing. It produces good marriages. It produces good leadership. It produces good churches, good businesses, um, and many other things. Knowing how to put anger in its proper place and to use it so it's not like a nuclear bomb but a nuclear reactor. It can be one or the other. In fact, research has shown that successful marriages are not those where you never see anger or conflict. It's not those where anger or conflict doesn't exist. Rather, it's where they've learned to manage it, not for evil, but for good. And uh, by the way, this love and respect seminar that we're doing is kind of the last event of our year of the caring community where we want to bring love into our marriages the first weekend in um, uh, of next month. It'll really focus on this. There's this very powerful teaching there on love and respect. And I encourage you to sign up whether your marriage is on the rocks or whether you just need a healthy little checkup. It'll, it bridges all of that and it'll bring us all together. If you're not married, I'd come too. I used to go to marriage conferences when I was single because I wanted to learn how to do it, right? Not wait until it's too late. So anyway, love and respect. When, when anger is managed, it does produce great marriages, great friendships, great businesses. In fact, I found that if I deal with my anger in a healthy way, if I learn to manage it, uh, not destructively, but constructively, it kind of puts a tiger in my tank. How many of you remember that advertisement way back when? Get a tiger in your tank. You might. I think that's probably what I'll title this week's and next week's messages. It really does. When you get anger by the, ti- the tail, it puts a tiger in your tank. That's the biblical teaching. That's what we see in the example of God the Father. It does that in a powerful way. If you don't, that, tank, that, that tiger can eat up your life uh, it, it, and, and the lives of those that we love. So there's a lot that's dependent on this. It's, in a lot of ways, the heart of true love. So this week, we want to look at what God has to say about how to tame the the tiger so we can put it to productive use. How to tame your tiger. Um, so how do you do it? Well, if you've never taken notes, I'd encourage you to do it today, or at least get the message as CD or online, because there are a lot of things you'll be hearing today that you will not find anyone else anywhere else altogether under the same package. You, uh, you need to teach this to your kids If you're an employer, you need to teach it at work because it really works. Teachers need to teach it in the classrooms because we need to lower the fleshly anger level of our whole society, right? That's destroying us all the way from Congress to our families. In fact, this has been called the age of rage. Road rage, and you see it wherever you look, virtually. So, how do you put it to constructive use? Well, there are six things. And I'd like to focus on three today, and then the last three uh, this coming Sunday. The first thing that God says to do if you want to tame your temper is that you must resolve to manage it. You must resolve to management. The problem is so often we don't do that. Uh, you know, in our upbringing, it's so many people I talk to just never heard about how to do that or the need to do it or even to stand up against it uh, in their upbringing. What we typically do is we go from one extreme to the other. We, you know, just because you don't turn into this Mount Vesuvius and explode all over the place doesn't mean you don't have an anger problem. I can give you a dozen different ways where you manifest it, and we're going to talk about those. But typically there are two extremes that we need to resolve to manage. Some people clam up when they get angry, and other people, you know, what, blow up when they get angry. Some people stuff it all on the inside, and other people just let it all out. problem is you bury it alive, not dead, right? And it will appear in some way. There's a difference between, you know, the mute who keeps it quiet and the, 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 uh, the, the maniac who just lets it all out. And usually we see one extreme and we go over to the other extreme, which is just as bad because we don't want to be like that. Don't want to be like my dad was. And so I do the opposite. Everybody in life tends to be either a, a, a turtle or a skunk, Right? when it comes to anger. When you get into conflict, if you're a turtle, you pull your neck back and you hide in your shell, right? And it just stews. You become kind of a merry martyr. And embittered or whatever, which is a kind of anger. On the other hand, if you're a skunk, you just you know stink up the whole place. You spew it all over and you let everybody know about it. Truth is, as I've counseled couples over the years, it seems to me that almost always, and maybe not almost always, but very, very frequently, it feels like skunks marry turtles. Right? I won't ask for a raise of hands in terms of your own marriage, but just think about it. It's just I think it's just God's sense of humor that He puts opposites together. He says, watch this. I'm going to throw them in the rink and let's see what happens. It's going to be a great show. At least you feel like that sometimes. In your marriage, one of you is likely to be a skunk, and the other is likely to be a, a turtle. But we got to quit saying, that's just who I am, right? I can't control it. And start realizing that you can. we got to stop uh, making excuses for our anger, whether that's the way I'm wired or that's the way I was brought up or just look at what I'm under. You, you don't blame me for getting angry. I've got, I'm an, under so much pressure. No, we've got to stop making excuses and realize that anger is a choice. It's a choice just like love is. When you get angry, you are choosing to get angry. Nobody is forcing you to get angry. Nobody can make you mad. People say, you make me so mad, right? Nobody can make you mad without your permission. Anger is a choice, and we choose to do it or we choose not to do it. In fact, you have far more control over your anger than you, than you might want to admit. Let me give you an example. I use this with the Iron Hour men this week. Let's say you're at home, and you're in an argument with somebody in, in your family, you know, and the voices are raised, the adrenaline, adrenaline level is, is high, maybe there's some yelling, you're getting excited, you're upset, you're mad, and all of a sudden the phone rings. And what happens? Hello? Oh, yes. It's for you, honey. What happened right there? You just turned on a dime. Anger is highly controllable. Don't tell me you can't control it. You can change when you want to change. And in that instance, you know, when we do that, and I think I've probably done that, you, it, it, we do it because, you know, we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to look dumb or shameful or whatever. And so we just flip the, sh- the, the, the switch and we were nice. Anger is a choice. You resolve to management. The Bible says this in Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger. But a wise man keeps himself under control. It means you can keep yourself from doing it. That anger is a choice. It's a responsibility. When I get angry, I'm choosing to get angry. And I resolve to say, okay, I'm going to manage this, rather than just blaming everybody else. When I say resolve to manage your anger, resolve means you make a choice and not just at the point where you're at the precipice and you fall into this uncontrolled rage. You, know, you pull the fences way back and you make a choice uh, in advance. The time to decide to manage your anger is not when you know, your blood pressure is rising and your adrenaline is shooting into your system and your nerves are all on alert and you're flushing and flashing and, and uh, all your muscles are tense. It's too late by then. You've already lost the battle. You resolve to manage your anger in advance. And so you say, okay, before I go into this meeting, I'm going to manage my anger. Before I open the door and go into my home after a horrible day at the office, I'm going to manage my anger. You decide, today I'm just not going to get angry. And if I do, I'm going to immediately confess it. I'm not going to let it get to me. So, one, resolve to to management, but manage it, but two, the Bible teaches that you tame your tiger by remembering the cost. Remember the cost of uncontrolled anger. You remember it and you'll be far more likely motivated to manage it, right? You're less likely to get angry if you realize that there is always a price tag to pay. And and you may pay it for weeks with your wife because women often are far more deeply wounded. They're wired very deeply for relationships. And you think they ought to get it off their chest. You did it, and they ought to get get over it. No, you're going to pay for it for weeks because that's who they are. And that's who they need to be to force us to focus on resolving to manage it. Remember the cost. I could give a lot of verses on the high cost of uh, losing our anger. Um, the Bible says this in Proverbs 29 a hot-tempered man gets into all kinds of trouble. You could go on and on about the all kinds part of this verse, right? Remember the cost. Proverbs 15:18. hot tempers cause arguments. How many of you have ever caused an argument by a hot temper? I'm glad I'm not the only one raising my hand. And those of you who weren't are probably lying. No. How about this one? Anger causes mistakes. Any hands on that one? I've got my hand up there. How about this one? People with hot tempers do foolish things. You know, it's funny. It's easy that people make fools of themselves in public. When you get angry, you lose about 50% of your IQ. Right? It's been proven. It's like something shoots a hole in our heads or something, and we do things we'd never do otherwise. Silly, stupid, embarrassing things. Remember the costs. Proverbs 11.29 says, The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Marriages and families have been destroyed over this. Remember what could be the cost. Write this down. I always lose when I lose my temper. Always. What do you lose? You lose... Maybe your reputation. You can lose the respect of others. You can lose your job. You can lose a sale. You can lose the love of your family. You could lose your health. Right? You know, when I, when I swallow my anger, oftentimes my stomach keeps score, right? The body was not designed to handle unrighteous anger. You, you could lose your health. Um, he didn't mean for us to carry rage around on the inside. When you carry your anger constantly with you, people oftentimes get sick. There are all sorts of ailments that people could get over. They could even be discharged from the hospital if they get this thing under control doesn't matter how well you eat. You know, you may eat a perfect, organic, 100% natural, this microbiotic diet, you know, whatever the craze is currently, but if you're carrying your anger around, you're still going to get sick. Or at least many do. It's not so much what you eat, it's what eats you. <laughs> right? You could have a perfect diet and eat all the right foods and still be sick all the time. Why? Well, it's what's eating you that makes you sick. Sometimes far more than what you're eating. So we need to remember the cost. Resolve to manage it. Secondly, remember the cost when we're tempted to lose it. And then the third thing the Bible says is this. You tame the tiger by reflecting before reacting by reflecting before reacting. This gets to the heart of it because it's all about master control. What goes on up here? Be transformed, Paul says, by the what of the mind. Yeah, by the renewing of your minds. That's where it begins. And so you don't just go from monkey feel, monkey do. No, you bring it back to monkey think. Monkey feel, monkey do. That's the direction this is going. Tame the tiger by reflecting before reacting. In other words, think before I speak. Put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in gear. Anger control is largely a matter of mouth control. If you watch your words, then you're going to watch your anger. The Bible tells us it is foolish to respond impulsively to anything. You know, when someone gets your goat, someone ticks you off, someone um, irritates you, something makes you mad, the Bible says first resolve to manage it again, uh, remember the cost, and then reflect. In other words, don't respond uh, impulsively. It's foolish to respond impulsively to anything, the Bible says. Let there be, you know, just a little delay. Before you respond, Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, "A stupid man gives free rein to his anger; a wise man waits and lets it grow cool." There it is. Just wait a minute. You know, don't write that email instantly when you read an email that's upsetting. I, I could list some emails that I wish I could have pulled back. Right? In fact, I think if someone came up with some kind of program that could pull an email back, they'd make a fortune. I'd use it. Maybe there is such a thing. I don't know. Don't do it. Wait. Our third president, uh, Jefferson, was the guy who invented the idea that when you get angry, you count to ten. But he said when you get really angry, he went on to say count to a hundred. There's actually wisdom in that. Notice it says a stupid man gives free rein to his anger, but a wise man waits and lets it grow cool. He lets it grow cool. This is the biblical ter- uh, basis for the term cool-out. You know, chill out, cool it. A wise man waits and lets it grow cool. God says that when you start to get angry, wait and chill out. Take some time to think and reflect. Ever notice you can't put your foot in its mouth in your mouth when it's closed? Duh. So keep it closed. Just wait a minute. The average male speaks 25,000 words a day. the average male. The average woman speaks and I think in some cases it's far higher than this, 30,000 words a day. That's when a guy comes home from a night at work, you know, and his wife comes and she's still got 5,000 more words. So, you know, she gets us uh, she's got a surplus to share with her loving husband, right? I was talking to a guy at one time and he asked, does it bother you that your wife always has the last word? And he said, no, I'm just glad when she gets to it. (laughs) I wouldn't dare speak up because he could go on. Delay is a great remedy uh, to anger. I'm not talking about delay for a week or a month or a year. No, that's a great danger. In fact, the Bible says, do not let the, what, go down on your anger, the sun. What he's saying is, don't delay too long. In other words, don't carry your anger from today until tomorrow. There's wisdom there. If you hold on to anger for more than 24 hours, it's likely to turn into resentment. In fact, it usually does, and that is always wrong. In fact, if you're resentful in your marriage because of what your husband or wife did, and you let it stew and fester, and your marriage breaks up, you are as much responsible for the breakup of the marriage as she or he is. But if you're in an argument and you, you know, and you both start to get really vocal in your marriage, it's okay to say, okay, time out. In fact, you talk about it when you're not in an argument. Let's make sure one of us says time out. And let's not take it personally. Right? Just take f- a five-minute break. Maybe you need to walk into another room or walk outside and you get all the symptoms out of the way that are making it worse. You know, you get the physical and the psychological symptoms of I- your increased blood rate. Right? and your increased heart rate and the adrenaline rush and all that you you let all that kind of stuff subside of it then you come back when you're a little bit calmer when it's more master control and not just a surge of adrenaline so the bible tells us to reflect before reacting and what do you do during that delay well let me give you a, a few ideas here because this is at the heart or close to the heart of the solution you try to when you reflect you try to understand your anger. You analyze it. The Bible says in Proverbs 19.11, a, a wise man's wisdom gives him patience. God, give me some wisdom here that I might have some patience. What's ticking me off? What's irritating me? What's making me feel this way? This is so important. The more you understand your anger, the more understanding you're going to be. The more understanding you're going to be of yourself up here with master control, and the more you're going to be able to control it. A man's wisdom, his understanding, gives him patience. And so the question we need to ask when we're reflecting before reacting, just to get the cookies on the lowest shelf here in terms of what we actually do, what kind of questions do we ask? Ask, why am I angry? That's a good question. We need to stop and ask ourselves, what's making me so upset right now? The problem is not the problem. Right? Anger is not the problem. The real problem is the cause of the problem. The problem is not your anger. Anger is a symptom. Anger is a warning light. And we need to look at that light and then think, okay, under the feeling, what's going on in my mind? Why am I getting angry? Then ask, what do I really want? Ask the Lord that. Ask Him to show it to you. Why do I, what, do I, what am I really trying to get you know, out of this argument? What is it that I'm not getting here that I'm trying to get in the wrong way so I'll never get it? You know? Or I get the opposite of what I want when I'm so demanding. What is it? What do I really want? What, what, what's the need that's unfulfilled in my life at this particular point? And then third, how can I get it? How can I get what I want if it's a legitimate need um, uh, from what's irritating me right now? And I guarantee you, blowing up and losing your cool and going into a rage is not the best way to get what you want, right? Rarely the best way. While you're doing this, if you reflect before reacting, you can figure out underneath even that what I think are probably the three root causes of anger. Three things, just about always. Every time you get angry, there's probably one of three root causes, maybe a combination, and that is hurt or frustration or, or fear. Hurt, frustration, or fear. The first thing that causes us to get angry is hurt. When you get hurt physically, you know, or emotionally, when you get wounded, the natural response is to lash out. It's, you know, survival of the fittest. That's, that's the motto of our flesh. And it, it, lash out at someone else, or, you know, when I, I remember when I was a kid, I hit my hand with a, my, my thumb with a hammer, and I got so mad that I hit myself in the hip. You get mad at yourself. Well, that, that does a lot. Or at the one that did it, or whatever. The first thing that causes anger is hurt. We're narrowing it down here so we can deal with it. The second thing that causes us to get angry is frustration. Frustration is when you get irritated. And you're irritated when you're not able to reach a goal, usually. When when your progress is thwarted towards some agenda in your life, some agenda that you're trying to accomplish. When you're forced to wait. Like a very, you know, a very simple example is when you're forced to wait for um, because of a traffic jam and you don't want to wait and you pound the horn, right? That can be the way you get out the anger. Sure, that helps a lot. Or maybe nothing's working and you're trying to make something happen. You're trying to reach a goal and it's frustrating and you start to get angry. What I'm saying here is frustration is... What happens when, you, when, when, you're, when it get, life gets out of control? Out of your hands. Whenever you're out of control, you tend to get angry. In fact, the more out of control you'll feel, the more likely it is that the more angry um, you'll be. And so when there's a financial catastrophe or you lose your job or whatever, pull it back, reflect, and think, okay, as this goes on, I'm going to get more and more angry. How can I deal with this in a better way? In fact, high-control people tend to be high-anger people. Is that you? If you don't have a high need to control things, you're probably not going to struggle with anger quite as much. You've got other problems to deal with? I'm sure I do, but maybe not that one as much. If you're a low-control person, you probably don't get upset all that much. But the greater your need to control, the more you're going to realize, or at least hopefully, the more we need to realize that our lives are totally out of control anyway, right? Most of the things that matter most in your life are completely out of your control. You you didn't choose where you were born. You can't choose when or where you're going to die. You never choose who your parents were, what your natural giftedness is. A lot of things that make you you, you have no control over. And so let's just let's just get a handle on it and realize, okay, it's all out of my control. And it's in God's hands. You know, a parent has known the feeling when a first baby comes of, of like our response to frustration, right? When when it's out of control, your baby says we'll not stop crying. And you know, you got this little gerber baby that you want to shake to death, right? And, you, and you're angry. Why don't you be quiet? I can't make this baby quiet. And then you start feeling guilty about your anger toward that baby. And, and then that just makes you more angry if you don't respond to it in the right way and it's all downhill. The baby isn't doing anything. The baby's just being what babies be, are. You know? Doing what babies do. Frustration. Trying to get the kids to obey when they won't obey. Well, you can make them obey out of anger for a while. But if you do that too long, they're going to rebel. And then it's far worse. Anger is not the way to control people. It'll boomerang big time. Third cause of anger is fear. This is whenever you feel threatened. Whenever uh, you feel maybe trapped. Whenever you feel attacked. Maybe you were attacked as a kid in some way. Or rejected as a kid, so you're you're like hypersensitive, understandably, to whatever happening again. And when it does with your spouse or a friend, look out, it's Mount Vesuvius. I'm protecting myself. I feel threatened. I'm afraid. Anger and insecurity almost always go together. The more insecure you are in life, the more uh, angry you'll tend to become. When you base your feelings about yourself, you know, on what other people think about you, for instance. That's a very insecure uh, posture towards life. If you're doing that, you're going to get angry a lot more of the time. When they don't meet your needs or when they say things that are unkind... You know, where they don't respond like you'd like them to to what you've done. They're not as appreciative as you think, and your your cup has all sorts of holes in it, so you desperately need that cup to be filled by what other people say, you know? Or you don't feel appreciated for the meal that you've cooked or for that deal that you signed that bailed out your family financially, and yet you had to sacrifice a lot, and so your wife's still mad. Understandably. And so you're not affirmed. And she's got to fill your cup. When that doesn't happen, we get angry. See how there are deeper things? It's not monkey feel, monkey do, monkey think. Monkey feel, monkey do. We need to reflect on what's going on. Why do we get angry when we're insecure? Well, usually it's because we're looking to other people to meet needs in our lives that only God can meet. Does that give you kind of a sense of the solution to the anger? Yeah when you start reflecting. So, let me reflect before we react Why am I angry? What do I really want? How can I get it in a way that's legitimate? And under that, is it frustration that's causing it? Is it hurt? Or is it fear? So, first, resolve to manage it. Second, remember the cost. And then third, reflect before reacting. The last three, I thought, are worthy of a message in and of themselves. And so next week is Palm Sunday, and there's a great story in Palm Sunday about man, anger managed powerfully. That's the tip of the iceberg of God's anger. And that is, remember when Christ on Palm Sunday went in, went to the temple, and made a whip and drove everyone out There is righteous anger. That's good anger. And there's a whole teaching there about how God's anger actually saved us from our sins. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And so we're going to look at the next three things we need to do. First, fourth, this is what Christ did on Palm Sunday. Release your anger appropriately. Release your anger appropriately. Fifth, here's the heart of it, re-pattern your mind. Reprogram your mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You shall know the truth, and the truth of God, the truth of the Bible, will set you free. Repattern your mind. And then fifth, under it all, rely on God's help. We'll look at those three next week, and I'm telling you, do these things, and more and more is going to put a tiger in your tank. Father, I do want to thank You for how practical Your Word is, and I thank You for how we're made in Your image and and wired to do some incredible things through the righteous anger that reflects what You've done to save us from our sins. And so, Father, I pray that we would get this old man out of the way so that the new man, the tiger who's in us, could be expressed powerfully and productively through us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, why don't we all stand? Again, this Love and Respect Seminar that we're doing is going to be the first weekend in May. It'll be just a Friday night and a Saturday. Uh, it'll be right here. And some powerful lessons on how to make your marriage better through love and respect. Now go into the world in peace. Hopefully more now than ever, right? Go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen. Thanks for coming. See you soon. Have you been walking on a surface that's uncertain? Have you helped yourself to everything that's empty yeah. You can't live, this way too long, there's more than this, more than this.